All right. If you can, turn in your, your Bibles to John chapter 12. We're going to read verses 12 through 19. John 12, verses 12 through 19. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 1671. 1671. John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion! See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Thus ends our reading of God's unchanging word. May all who hear it have hearts that shout aloud, Hosanna. Sometimes to to understand one story, you have to hear another. And from John's Gospel, we get get insight that that Matthew, Mark, and Luke fail to mention. We, We get this story about Christ raising Lazarus from the dead. And the reason this is so important is that it it shows us the, the tipping point, if you will, of when the chief priests and the Pharisees set a plan in motion to kill Jesus. Look at, look at John 11, verse 45. This is immediately after Lazarus had risen from the dead. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Now we're getting at the heart of the issue. The the reason why these people had so much animosity towards Jesus. It was because they they liked the status quo. Even though they were under Rome's control, both of these groups, the Pharisees and and the chief priests, they were granted power and freedom. And both of them 
didn't want to lose what they had. You see, the, the, the Romans had given special privileges to the Jews. They had given them a, a certain amount of religious freedom that no other nation had. As long as they paid their taxes and maintained a relative peace, they wouldn't have to bow down to those Roman gods, but they could worship Yahweh alone. For the chief priests, this meant, meant control over the temple and thus control over the wealth of Israel. And for the Pharisees, this meant that, that, they, that they would have a popularity among the people, among the masses. And thus, they were able to hold political sway. But because the, the, the reputation of Jesus was growing, what we see is that their tenuous power structure was beginning to unravel. Now, notice what these men said. They, they, they said, here is this man performing many miraculous signs. So, so it's not that they didn't have evidence that, that Jesus was the Messiah. No. Deep down, they, they knew. And the raising of Lazarus should have turned them all into believers. But these men didn't want to believe. They put their trust in the ways of this world, seeking peace and fulfillment in things other than God. And so they came up with a worldly solution. Look at verse 49 through 53. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. Do you not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish? He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So, so from that day on, they plotted to take his life. What Caiaphas meant for evil, God meant for good. These men, they, they came up with this worldly solution. They wanted to kill the problem. They wanted to kill Jesus. And so they gave this decree. Look at verse 57. But the chief priests and the Pharisee, Pharisees had given orders that if anyone found out where Jesus was, he should report it so that they might arrest him. In other words, they wanted the world to, to, to join with them in their murderous pursuit. And this leads us to our text for today. Look at, look at John 12, verses 12 and 13. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! It was... A Sunday afternoon in 
the week of Passover was upon, upon this crowd. And this meant that the whole world had descended upon Jerusalem. Jews from many nations had traveled to the city in order to offer sacrifices for their sins and to celebrate the deliverance that God had given them in Egypt. And we see this great crowd filling the street that led into the city. And the reason they were gathering was to greet Jesus. This... This is the very opposite of what these religious leaders were hoping for. Instead of reporting on Jesus, the world was flocking to him. And not just flocking to him, but, but, but trusting in him. This crowd believed that he was the Messiah. For they, for they waved their palm branches high into the air and they, they spread them out before him. Both in Jewish culture and in Roman, the palm branch was a sign of victory. It was often used to, to welcome the return of a conquering king. And so this crowd, they had a, a certain expectation of who Jesus was. He was their triumphant ruler, their conquering king. And this was made even more evident with what they cried out. Hosanna. Hosanna means, please save us. They were looking for that victory that those palm branches represented. And so they quoted a messianic psalm, Psalm 118, which, which Armstrong had read earlier. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. This crowd believed that Jesus was both sent from God and that he was a legitimate heir of King David. He was their messianic king. You see, these people, they were not satisfied with the status quo. They were not like the chief priests or the Pharisees. Instead, they, instead of looking for a solution brought about by worldly means, they were looking for deliverance from above. So rather than reporting on Jesus and making sure that he was arrested, they, they surrounded him, trusting in his salvation and rejecting the salvation that comes from the world. But the salvation that they expected was not what Jesus was delivering. Look at verses 14 and 15. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Instead of riding in on a chariot or on a, on a war horse, Jesus comes to his city riding on a donkey, symbolic for times of peace and prosperity. And, and he did so in order to fulfill what was written in Zechariah 9, verses 9 and 10. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, daughter of Jerusalem! See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation! Gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 
I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. By riding on this donkey, Jesus was acknowledging to this crowd that he is their king, their Messiah. He was not hiding this fact. Instead, he was making it obvious to everyone in the city. And yet, his kingdom comes not through war or violence, but it comes about through peace. He is a patient and humble king. You see, the, the, the salvation that he delivers is not freedom from the Romans or, or any other earthly power. No. He brings deliverance from a far greater threat. For each man is under the yoke of their own transgressions. They are slaves to sin. They have been estranged from God and sit under His judgment. And without Christ's help, they will have no hope. But He is Hosanna, the one who saves. He will fulfill Caiaphas' prophecy. He will be that one man who dies for his people as he goes to the cross. He will take upon their sin and give to them eternal life. And in this way, he draws the whole world to himself, including you. Dear friends, he is Hosanna for you as well. Maybe you are here today and, and you are challenged by this king. Perhaps you are like the chief priests and the, and the, and the Pharisees, comfortable with the, with, with the freedom and the power that the world has to offer to you. You like the way things are and you don't want to change a thing. And so you have rejected this Jesus. Because you know that true faith in Him will mean a loss of your supposed freedom and your perceived power. It is true that faith in Christ means a rejection of the things of this world. But my challenge for you is this, that you would count the costs. Yes, like those religious leaders, you can suppress the truth about who Jesus is. You can live in your sin and, and, and think that you have fulfillment and purpose. You may even find happiness that, that will last the rest of your life. But that will be all you have. For when you die, you'll be under God's judgment, facing eternal damnation. You see, from, from the book of Revelation, we, we see, we get another picture of Christ riding in as a king. And, and in this next time, when he comes in as king, it will not be on a donkey, but on a war horse. Look at Revelation 19, verse 11. 
I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth, out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. When Christ returns, it will not be for peace, but for judgment. You may shout, Hosanna, please save, but it will be to no avail. For the day of salvation will have passed, for you will have chosen the things of this world over him. Today is the day of salvation. Repent and believe in this king while there is still time. Of course, there are many of you who, here today who, who do believe. And Jesus has a message for you as well. Look at verses 17 and 18. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. Here we see how those who trust in Christ react. Instead of capitulating to the, to the edict of the religious leaders, they, they spread the word leading many to Jesus so that others might believe as well. This is a natural result of those who have seen their king. If you have tasted the goodness of Christ, why would you not tell others? Jesus calls for you to do the same exact thing. You are to go to your neighbor and tell them about Jesus. You are to explain the, the good news that leads to salvation. Invite them to church. Invite them to a Bible study. Help them to see this Prince of Peace that they too might believe in Him and have life in His name. In other words, you, you are also a part of God's plan, drawing the whole world to His Son. Which leads us to our final verse. Look at verse 19. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. The Pharisees were frustrated. They were hoping to be done with Jesus before the Passover. 
But instead of men turning on Christ, his prestige had grown so that the whole world had gone after him. Throughout history, men have been trying to turn people against Jesus in one way or another. They might not say that is what they're doing, but essentially that is their aim. And they will, they will try to tempt you. They, they will try to entice you away from Christ. And this is their offer. That, that the things of this world, in them you're going to find your peace and fulfillment. That is their offer. But just like in our story today, the plans of men will not prevail. Even in a world like today, with, with all of our modern conveniences and philosophical ideals, God continues to draw the whole world to his Son. And today, he calls each and every one of you. Therefore, turn from the things of this world, from your sins, from your unbelief and trust in this humble king. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful for your son who is our king, that he, that he comes to us gently, offering salvation. Help us to turn away from the, the things of this world and to put our trust in him, him alone. We can only do this by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask now that you would fill us we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.